you can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. The clouds burst. As Dane and Thrandall continue to lead their forces in a fruitless fight against each other, Azog has positioned himself and his mighty signal tower atop the heights of Ravenhill. Without warning, giant wereworms burst forth from the ground, an explosion of rocks and dirt announcing the arrival of a new foe to the battlefield. Horrified, the warring dwarves and elves immediately cease fighting and turn in disbelief to witness these foul creatures. Upon Azog's command, the great horn of Gorgoroth is sounded, signalling his legion of orcs and other fearsome monsters to march forth from the wereworms' burrow holes and charge towards the armies of the dwarves and elves. Appalled but undaunted, Dane Ironfoot immediately recalls his warriors from their fight with the elves of Mirkwood and leads them forward to face this new threat head-on, leaving the army of elves behind them. The dwarves of the Iron Hills forming a mighty shield wall in an attempt to slow this new foe. As the mass horde of Azog's armies bear down upon their hopelessly outnumbered dwarven enemies, it becomes apparent to Thrandall that if the elves do not join in the fight against this new threat, all will perish, elves, dwarves and men alike. Can Thrandall and his glittering hosts reach Dane Ironfoot in time, or will the dwarves meet their end at the hands of Azog's legions? Welcome to the Green Dragon Scenario Spotlight. The crowds... The clouds burst. Welcome to the Green Dragon Scenario Spotlight. The clouds burst. I'm Jeremy, making all kinds of mess of everything, and I've got... Hello, I am Kylie. Yes, yes, this is all good. I'm trying to get in control of my giggles, but... I just to look behind the screens. I know that the reading sounded absolutely perfect to you, but to us, uh, I got stuck on the glittering hosts of the elves and just couldn't get over it. I'm just why are they described as the glittering hosts? This is this is not. They're warlike. They're proud, noble creatures. These are not. They're glittering. I'm having flashbacks to uh, we we played a uh, Magic the Gathering dual deck, and I think one of them was Shimmer. And you couldn't get over the fact that the whole deck was shimmering yes. or something like that. Oh, it's just it just doesn't feel right in a war game. I'm I'm just that, that's my weakness. If you want to want to sort of beat me in it, I just get frozen up if you start glittering hordes against me. Sorry, yeah. random adjectives in front of. Uh... I can confirm it is a glittering host of elves. Wonderful. Okay, so the scenario that we're talking about today, that was fun, is from there and back again. It is the second of the Battle of Five Army scenarios, the part where the, the armies are met, the dwarves, elves, yeah. um, two orc armies in the movie for two armies, not the wargs, unfortunately. And this one has quite a bit of models in it, and it's on a very plain battlefield with a bit of rocks. Kylie, what are the participants? Okay, so participants, for the good side, we have Thranduil, King of the Woodland Realm on Elk. 24 Mirkwood Elves, uh, 8 with Shield, 8 with Glaive, and 8 with Bow. As well as Dane Ironfoot, Lord of the Iron Hills, on Warbor. As well as 24 Iron Hill Dwarves with Shield and Spear. So, 50 models on the good side. Yes. It's a lot. And two really, really, really scary heroes. Mm, yes. But we have a lot of tools on the evil side to deal with these big, scary heroes on the good side. We have three Gundabad Orc Captains. Mm-hmm. Three Gundabad Trolls, and 36 Gundabad Orc Warriors, 18 with Shield, 18 with Spear. This is a big battle. This is so a huge scenario. It's got a lot of models, so it's a it's a pretty big collection. It took a long time for me to paint it. That's why it's been so long between the scenario spotlights. I've 
basically started working on this one before the book came out because I've yeah. working on the elves and uh, the Gundabad orcs and got got them done. But oh, it's so many models. So the thirty six Gundabad orcs are a lot. Yeah, you're um, looking at close to a hundred models on the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The twenty four elves took a long time because you want to make them look glittering and pretty. And then the dwarves took a long time. They're, they're dwarves. They're, they're, they're the forger models. You don't want to rush them. You don't want to just hurry them up. Although. Ironhill dwarves are ones that look good no matter what they're painted like. I haven't yeah. really seen bad ones. They just they look good. They're, they're just really, really nice sculpts. Yeah. They're just, they're, and the shields are so dynamic. Yep. And, and the, uh, the, the, just the, the detail in the armor means that even if you do a shorthand, quick paint job, they still yeah. look good. It picks up all the detail really yeah, well. Yeah, like base coat and a wash, can these models will, yeah, will make I've it seen look it looks good. good. looks yeah. good. So the, the scenario looks really good. Um, and I like it that all the models are on the table at once. So it is a lot yes. of models. It fills the 4x4 board pretty well. But because it is a lot of models, it is not a short scenario. No, it is not a short scenario. And you've also got the old We Are Legion rule, which so, is... Recycle, recycle, recycle. Yeah, they're basically the kind of bad orcs are without numbers. So they just keep coming back. You can't break them. So it means yeah. that you're focused on the main action of the scenario. The, yeah. the gun about orcs are almost placeholders, really. Yeah. And what I like about We Are Legion is that it turns the scenario from a kill kill first on the evil side, break them, and watch them run away to a, hey, let's actually play the objective. Yes. So you are forced to play the objective. What are the objectives, Carly? The objective is the following line of text that I'm trying to find on the page. There we go. Uh, Azog's legions have burst forth from the ground, catching the warring elves and dwarves unawares. As Dane and the dwarves of the Iron Hills rush forward in order to fight this new enemy head-on, Thranduil must join the dwarves in battle if they are to survive. The good player wins if Thranduil and Dane are both still alive at the end of turn 10. The evil player wins if both Dane and Thranduil are slain before the end of the 10th turn. Any other result is a draw. Yep. So just kill the two heroes if you're evil, you get the win. Kill one, draw. Kill none, no, no good. You got a loss. Yes. And the good player is the opposite, of course. So very simple like objectives. It's just about yeah. hero kills. And the nice thing about that is that from an evil point of view, you don't care about your models dying because you just got without number. Send them into the meat grinder. The, the good player doesn't actually care about their models dying either because it's just it's only the heroes that matter. And yeah. you've got good enough courage that heroes aren't really going to run away. So no, and Dane's fearless too. Which yes, so he's not going to run makes away. Makes that a bit e- easier. And what Thranduil's what courage six or seven with and three some will, of will that so he's only using on courage tests. Yes, maybe a terror check if he fails really, really yeah, horribly. True, but no, it's it's not really going to happen. You're going to courage is not a big factor in this. It's it's no nah. about your placement of models. There is a really quirky rule in this scenario that that in our experience. Um, had different reactions from our gaming group. So we've got the, the dwarves have a rule where they cannot give up ground. Hold the line. Hold the line. So in the move phase, they're not allowed to back away. No, they're not allowed to move backwards to or basically move closer to the western board edge. They have to keep moving forward towards the eastern or just not Or move stay still. Yeah, or move sideways. They can go sideways. Sideways yep. fine. Yeah. Now we, because we used some impassable rocks in this, we decided that we would house rule that, that as long as they ended up uh, no closer to the western board edge at the end of the move, they're okay. So you could duck behind a rock and back in front to hold your line because yeah. it also made it basically impossible that you'd have to keep sneaking forward and never be able to, to just move sideways. Yeah. And that worked fine for us. I don't know if that was the intention of the scenario, but it didn't make a difference. Yeah, and we've had some close games with this scenario too, so... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Some close games. We've played it twice. Both of which were close. True. Very true. <laughs> 
Uh, and the final special rule for this scenario is uh, stubborn rivalry. So basically, the dwarves uh, can only benefit from heroic actions and standfasts made by Dane. And the same with the elves. They can only benefit from heroic actions and standfasts made by Thranduil. Yeah, which means you can't really do the heroic combat where they go in together and, and duck off. Which was the first thing I thought of when I found that they could only move... Uh, they can't move backwards in the move phase, but you could do it in the combat phase. So if you do heroic combats, you can yeah. duck backwards. I thought, oh, get them both in combat. Uh, but you can't really do that. So if that happens, Dane disappears backwards and Thrandall holds his ground because he can move backwards. He's an elf. Yes. He, he knows the value of staying alive. Yes, he having... can turn turn right as well as left. Uh, and finally, uh, starting positions. So this is another interesting quirk about the scenario. The dwarves start within six inches of the center of the table. Yes. Uh, the evil, 12 inches from the east board edge and go from the six inches from the west board edge. Because the dwarves can, can't move backwards... The mm-hmm. elves pretty much meet the dwarves or catch up to the dwarves at the same time as the evil side makes combat with the dwarves. Yes, assuming that you set up on your side of the board. Yeah. So the dwarves set up, you could set them up on the eastern board edge, but I don't see why you would. You set them up, you give some options, you can go forward if you want to, but it means that, yeah, so at the same the same turn, everyone gets together. You don't have to yeah. call marches or anything like that to to speed that up, which is good. It also means the dwarves take the brunt of the attack and the elves duck in wherever they feel like it, which is kind of cool as well because we found in our game especially the mm. dwarves, we lost, what was it, 16 or so dwarves before we even lost an elf. Yeah, the dwarves were taking the brunt of the punishment in that, mostly due to the trolls kind of killing a couple at a turn. True. Which that, we'll get that, into. Yes, absolutely. Oh, the Gundabad trolls are so, so good. The main thing about the Gundabad trolls compared to other monsters is... You've got a base fight seven, so the elves and things are scared of them. The heroes are scared of them. And you've got defense eight and four wounds. They just don't die in this scenario. There's nothing Very really hard can kill to them. Kill. Even in like standard points match games, they're no. hard to get rid of. And that's if you're like tailing your list to take down one of them. Absolutely. So, and the courage is okay as well. I think it's a courage four of hand. Yeah, it's a courage four with all the things. So even if you manage to get terror up with Dane after charging, still you've got a really good chance of... Char- uh, Passing a courage test and going in. So they yeah, are courage four. They are a threat. When I was preparing this scenario, getting ready to play it, I posted up my progress on the Facebook page and uh, some of the listeners actually contacted me and described their experiences with the scenario, which hasn't really happened before because mostly I play the scenarios, talk about it, and then other people maybe say they've played it afterwards. But it was really, mm. really good to have people already played it. And the comments I got were basically that evil had a massive advantage and that get ready to watch your good heroes get beaten up by trolls. So I took that as a personal challenge to make sure that that didn't happen in our scenarios and we're relatively successful in that. It it looks Mm. like a tough scenario on paper. It looks like how could you possibly do this? The main tactic of a dwarf would normally be just to run backwards. Yeah. You can't do that. You've got to hold the line. Your, Your heroes, two turns of combat against monsters and they'll be gone. Yeah. And that's the, that's the beautiful construction of this scenario is it forces you to play the objectives. All, all the special rules are in there for a reason, and that's what I absolutely love about it. Yes. So, so when we say that, we mean basically as a good player, you need to avoid combat with your heroes as much as possible because yep. every combat is potentially losing a wound. Uh, also, stay out of the hurl ranges so you don't lose your mount really cheaply and then not be able to move. And as an evil player, you've got to stop your trolls getting bogged down and make sure they can get to the heroes because mm. they are reasonably tough to maneuver with the big bases. And it's easy to get yourself bottlenecked even amongst your own troops. Yeah, it took it took me um, about three or four turns just to get my head around how the trolls move in combat and how you position your spearmen because it's it's not 
the way you think you need to like position in the in in the line because it's got such huge bases. You can get trapped by just silly silly placements. Yes, absolutely. And when you're as a good player, if you want to hold the trolls up, I learned very quickly you charge them, but you go past halfway point of their base, so you get models around the side of it. Then yes, they can barge forward if they want to, but then it keeps your guy alive and it's in an annoying spot. But it also means that that cuts out the hurl because they can't. They throw it backwards between their own uh, Gundabad yeah. lines. So your dwarves often end up charging one or two forward just to hold up the trolls and stop their movement and then hope that they can just wait around there and, and basically hope that the trolls stuff up their combat, the barge isn't far enough or whatever. There's a few times, Kylie, when the barge, you had to go two inches to be able to get into combat again and you rolled the one and I did the same thing the first game I played. Mm. It's, it happens at times. You, you go for the barge and you roll the one. Yeah, and I learned very quickly how much you want to keep the captains next to the, the trolls to use their might to push them forward or, or backwards. And in particular about the backwards, there was one point in our, our game where Jeremy did this really funky move where he zipped up the side with Dane, which was an incredibly big risk because Dane can't move backward after he moves forward. Yes, yes. So it put me in a position where I needed to figure out a way of getting my trolls to go backwards and back through my line, which is where, as I said before, the positioning of your spearmen and your reserve troops come into play. Because if they're in the wrong spots, because the troll has such a huge base, you can muck yourself up with very simple moves. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about basically how our two games have gone. And uh, I'll talk mainly about the first one, Kylie, and then I'll get you to help me out with the second one because you were involved in the second one. We've just played through the second one, really enjoyed it. The first one we played as a three-player game. So I had myself as the Gundabad Legion, Azog's Legion, and I had David as the Dwarves and Nick as the Elves. If I've got that that wrong... That sounds about right. Yeah, if I've got that wrong, I apologize. Nick doesn't... Doesn't strike me as a dwarf player. Yeah. So, and I thought David would love the shield wall sort of aspect of the dwarfs because David loves shield walls and he, he does his sword craft, which is basically live action shield walling and, and standing position. So he has a great time doing that normally. But he was put off a little bit by the fact that he couldn't move towards the western board edge. And I think that was exacerbated by the fact that I tended as a tactic as an evil player to run around the dwarves and just ignore them. So they yeah. they could either run forward and try and pick up some of my reserves or try to hastily get back into to combat by going sidewards. And sometimes the rock stuffed them up or the way that went. In that game, I almost overcommitted on the flanks as the evil player. So I rushed the flanks as well as the middle. And then some of my Gundabad Orcs broke through. So they used Dane and Thrandall to heroic combat off that and disappear back a couple levels. And that delayed my advance for a few turns. Um, I had to use one of my trolls as a flanking force to try and to get through and, and cut them off so they couldn't escape. It took me just a bit too long to get into combat. I managed to do a bunch of wounds. I think Dane was down to one wound, no fate left. Thrandall had no fate. Or maybe it was the other way around. But they were, they were seriously damaged heroes. But in the end, they both survived with a fair amount of good models as well. There was, I believe, five elves and six dwarves left at the end of the hmm. game. My trolls lost a fair bit of combats. They got bottlenecked a fair bit, but when they did damage, they did some serious damage. The problem was that I got interested in doing hurls probably a bit too much. So I was yeah. getting these really nice hurls lined up. I got them, I maneuvered into position, I set it up, I hurled it down the dwarf line, knocked them all over, and then they just shielded just to themselves off and stood up again. Yeah. So I was getting maybe a kill if I was lucky, and in the end I wasn't getting anywhere. So um, I had to change that tactic and focus more on just the kills because you've got to whittle down models and mm. initially even barge is not that good initially you'd need to start killing those dwarves and it's something that i i found 
a lot recently, especially after this scenario playing with the Gundabads, is you don't, it's, it's a really subtle thing with big monsters just striking normally and getting a couple of kills a turn. It doesn't feel like you're doing a lot because you want the big impact play of a big hurl or, yeah, absolutely, or, or, or getting barging into a key model like a Thrandall Dane or something or other and then getting the kill on them. But if you just strike normally and get a couple of kills, suddenly you're getting this two kill advantage. And then you get a four kill advantage. Then you get a six kill advantage. And then you get an eight kill advantage. And the more you do it, the more you'll find out that all the models that they would need to pin you in place are suddenly dead and not there, allowing you to get into the priority targets anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the first game, the dwarves and the elves were able to maintain their line quite well. So they, they were able to hold that off quite a bit. I did manage to break through around the flank, basically. So I burst through on one side. And there was a handful of elves on the other side, but my other troll got through on that side, basically hemmed them in. And I was able to catch them finally. And there was a handful of elves and doors helping out. Some of them were ignored at that point, but it took a lot to get through there. And I was able to throw some strikes up as well at the heroes. So I had yeah. the captains in. I couldn't get the trolls in. I could get the captains in though, because of the way they were positioned. So the, the trolls kept getting peeled off by individual warriors. But I got my captains, and I got a couple captains, I think, into Dane and managed to strike up and win some combats against him and do some damage. But he's tough. So tough. Yeah. Defense A, three wounds, three fate. Yeah, he's hard to he's kill. He's a big 3-3-3 three, three, three here. So the trolls could probably get him in one turn if they had a good turn. But the the warriors, they need a couple turns to get rid of him. We we had we had fun doing that. And it was a nice and close scenario. And I really enjoyed it in that I was I gave the others some advice and basically said, this is what I'm going to do. Watch out. And they were able to to use that. And then we just because I didn't want it to be a rubbish scenario where we set it up and the evil player just just walked all over it and killed yeah. the, the heroes off early. So I basically gave him a bit of tactics for them and explained about the heroic combat backwards and that sort of stuff. And it, it was close though, like ten turns. I would have got them in one more turn. Yeah, without a doubt. So I would have the eleventh turn. It would have been all over. One one wound on Dane. I could have easily got that. I think in the end I had a chance and I threw threw a model from really far away. Got the hurl off, got all the way, but didn't wound him. So flicked him over, got the the projectile, elf, whatever it was, and did try for the last wound, the long shot, the Hail Mary. It didn't quite work, but it was a good, good fun scenario. And I think ours was entirely different as well. Completely different, I would say. Yeah, so I, I played good this time, and Kylie played evil. And I think the evil's probably easier to play initially in that it's, yeah, it's pretty once, forgiving. Once you've gotten your head around the, uh, the Gundabad trolls. But even if you're playing them not so good, you're still getting things done with them. Yeah. One, one of the big things I found uh, with the trolls early on and probably was the biggest mistake I made in the game was early on, I did some bad positioning with Spearman. And as Jeremy said earlier, with the barges, couldn't quite get into where I wanted to get into. So I had to use heroic moves to fix that mistake. Yes. To prevent them from being pinned for basically two turns. And I think that's the, the big thing that you take from this scenario is you learn to think two turns ahead with the monsters. That's what I appreciated a lot with this scenario was figuring out, okay, the troll's going to be here next turn. So I need to make sure that in my move phase next turn, I have this gap here. Mm, absolutely. And making sure you have this gap ready to go and there aren't models getting in the way. Because as much as nice as it is to get an extra two attacks into a combat with the good and the bad orcs, they could block you up, your troll for next turn, and your trolls are your win condition. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. And look, I'll talk about some of the, the very small tactics pretty soon as well because there's yeah. some good ones. And I do want to go for some rebuttals about that or at least add to it. But both the scenarios overall, the good player tried to get to one's flank and they yeah. thought that, okay, we can reduce the amount of attacks to it. The difference was that in the first game, the the 
good players did everything they could to go backwards. Whereas in my game, I decided to do the opposite. I set up a flanking force, used the elves to screen off the Gundabad Orcs, mm. and then, as Kylie said before, rode Dane up the, the flank or the left the left side of my yeah. side, and then Thranduil followed behind and tried to basically do a breakthrough, just run through. And it cost me almost every one of my models. I had three elves left at the end of the game, not a single dwarf left, but I had untouched Dane and Thranduil. They didn't take a single wound either. Each. Yeah, they were pretty much out of my at this point, at that point, and looking down at two trolls. But that was irrelevant because the game was over. The ten turns have been played. Yeah, that's right. And look, I probably, I might be able to survive one more turn after that. So I don't think it was guaranteed to be over turn eleven. But yeah. by turn twelve, I'm pretty sure I would have lost it. Yeah, but it would have made a very interesting turn. And I think that was the difference between the two tactics. Was both tactics were about buying turns, kicking yes. down that turn counter. David and Nick. Nick's. Uh, strategy involves buying turns through heroic combats. Your tactic involved buying turns through movement. Mm, yeah, I didn't even engage in combat with them until right no, at the end. T- till right at the end. And it was the both make or break because if you, you mess up the positioning with the shuffling to the side and then making the sprint up the edge, you might you might go a turn too early or you might uh, get caught out when you didn't want to. And by the same token, if the heroic combats... You could fluff the heroic combat and then be stuck in a position where you basically are going to be staring at a whole bunch of walks for a turn. Yeah, that's true. I, I think I went on the right turn, but I was a bit worried about half, well, not halfway through, about three quarters of the way through that maybe I went a turn too early because I needed to drag the trolls as close to the western board edge as I could and then head around the side. And I almost didn't do that because you were able to turn your trolls around reasonably effectively. And yes. I had some guys designed just to hold them up, and they, they held them up for a little while, but just not long enough. And I think that that was the, t- the turn you're talking about is the turn when I realized how my positioning was mucking me up. And I think if I had have, if I had gone into playing the scenario, uh, had already played the scenario once and then played that game again, I think I might have had the one extra turn I needed to take on Dane and Thrandall. Yeah, quite possibly. But that was the, the chance of going in blind is... You know, learning things as you go and figuring it out that way. Well, there's lots of other tactics we can try as well. Like yeah. I, I thought as a good player, I could have easily split the two heroes up and just said, okay, Dane's going to do one thing, Thrandall's yeah. going to do the other. Which one are you going to go for? Or are you going to do that? And then basically, the, when, once the evil player's committed, just throw everything at defending that one hero mm. while the other runs away, essentially. Yeah. And like, if, if, if Thrandall decides to run away, you're not going to catch him. Yeah, the, and I think that's that's um, a key point of this scenario is you can pretty much guarantee Thrandall's going to survive the game by just keeping him at the back, keeping him yes. away from the big threats. But I think if you hadn't have committed Thrandall to helping Dane at the very end there to get to the, to across the board and get into a favourable position, you would have lost because Thrandall did peel off a couple of models at the end and call heroic, two heroic moves that helped the elves pin the trolls for a turn. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, no, you're right. That that support. And, and just that leadership bubble, bubble around the elves as well. Because yeah. I was starting to lose some elves to the courage tests and I needed those elves to just like peel off trolls and things and hold them up and make sure they had yeah. to throw some dice and, and the barge. Like you'd much rather a, tra- a troll barges at you because it's D6 inches instead of moves 6 inches at you because it's mm. a big difference there. Yeah, I think that was the one big thing I took away from the scenario is Thrandall does have to do something. He can't he can't sit there idle. No, no. As much as he would like to, I'm pretty sure. Yes. You know, it was really good that way. And I don't think it... It was fun as a three-player game. It was also fun as a two-player game. Mm. It, it played for about three hours, I thought, for both times, mm. um, which is a good lengthy scenario. I think it went actually longer with the three players just because the communication and... And the bickering. Yeah, the bickering. I, I assume... 
Of course, it, it, it's always a bit of bickering, and but also the you, you say who's in this combat? Oh, it's one dwarf and one elf, and you got to communicate that each time. Yeah, we need to talk about the the way these forces match up in terms of uh, special strikes and things as well, Kylie, because that was a big talking point during our game. Yeah, that was one thing that I found surprisingly refreshing was that the orcs don't special strike in this scenario because nope. they have no need to. Why faint when you've already got reroll ones? Yeah, that's so right. There's no need. And the elves and dwarves didn't really faint much either, simply because they were either shielding. Yeah, most of the time shielding. Or B, they were one of the heroes and either needed to kill or needed to not kill yes. in the case of Dane. Yep. And knock things over with his hammer. Yeah, the bashing. Yeah, I tried, tried bashing a few times. So, And then eventually I just gave up and said, I'm just going to kill things. But it, it is... I think it speeds up the game quite a bit to not have yeah. to do that discussion every single combat. In a game like this, there's a lot of combats. There's a lot of dice rolling. Anytime you can cut stuff like that out, it really does help. And I do like that about these forces that you don't have to bother with the the fainting because oh, it's annoying to have to get different colored dice every time and declare them. Yeah, I think I think the big thing with the fainting, just, just from my, my experience, is I understand the idea that they brought it in to speed up the game by increasing the odds to wound, but... They slowed the game down by adding an extra dice step to most of the yep. time. Yep. Piercing, you got to pierce up or down. Fancy, you got to roll your fight value. Bashing, you need to roll off for, to see who wins wins the combat, uh, the strength off. But it's also that extra, it's the extra thinking. It's the extra communicating. It's the extra picking up the dice. It's not yep. just the actual rolling. And a lot of times, things like fainting, it's almost negligible, the difference you get in terms of ability to kill. Mm. And you've got a whole another dice roll to do that. You've got you to be looking for another set of things and another another step on your flow chart and i look I, I know i've talked about this before i'm a big advocate for for not having them in there and it's nice in the scenarios when they don't because a lot of times you don't need them and if you take no. them off both sides it's not really a problem in this one i did use fainting if a little bit for the elves but it never really was an issue because oftentimes i had different color dice for the elves and dwarves anyway yeah so that that was okay i think if you if you went all out on the fainting and the special strikes and stuff in this scenario it would ruin the flow of the game because you're going through so many big combats, through like a lot of combats a turn, you want to just power through the meaning or the grindy ones and just get to the big combats so you can figure out, you know, what big things are happening in the scenario. Yeah, because the troll combats were always really important. The captain combats and then if the, the two good heroes were in combat were important, the rest was basically just going through the motions. Like we, yeah. we knew what was happening. So I was trying to get to the result as soon as possible rather than go through the whole process. And it, it kind of made me think... Kind of think back to the to the days where you and me used to be able to like play out, you know, ten turns in you know ten twenty minutes if if we really needed to. Yes, and this kind of felt a bit like that at times because we powered through. I think turns four to six in probably half an hour. Yep, and we were there were times when it was just like, okay, let's just do the meaningless combat, and we just we just raced through them, got them done in in minutes, and then thought about the other ones because a lot of it's the thinking and the planning and that sort of stuff yeah. that slows it down. So if you can get rid of some of those stuff that happens automatically that that really does help but the, it didn't the flow of the snow was really good it felt like i was telling the story the whole time yeah it felt like every turn mattered and i think a lot of that is down to that dwarf rule because I, I think it would kill that scenario to imagine the dwarf just backed away and just jumped uh, in a corner wouldn't be a scenario no it wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't be, any be a scenario. Good, you'd have to change it you'd have to have so much more powerful stuff on yeah. the evil side and i think that's actually one thing i i noticed just towards the very end of the scenario with your tactic of running up the side and basically moving closer towards the orc board edge was that my reinforcements got closer to their, their, basically their targets in Dane and Thrandall the closer you got to the board edge. Yes, they did. And 
that kind of makes it a little bit more interesting because if you if you're constantly retreating all the time, those reinforcements are just basically casualties. Like you just put them to the side. They're yes. hardly ever going to get back. Yeah, after turn four or so, you just ignore yeah. them, and that's what happened in the first game we played. They were just turn markers essentially. They didn't do anything yeah. at all, and it, it's actually more fun the way we did it, where I, I came out at it because yeah. they 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 made a difference, and you, you got a little smile on your face when you could bring them back on and just trap Dane just by putting guys next to him. Mm, and then I had a couple of spearmen at the very end too that managed to get to throw in an extra couple of attacks into a combat, which were helpful in at least burning out uh, the hero's uh, might. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think it's one that we, we our results both went to good side, but it could have easily, easily, yes. easily gone to evil side. And I, we got the feedback from the listeners that evil side can definitely win it and maybe even has an advantage. Who knows? I'm not really that interested in playing it thousands of times to see. I will play this one again. It was it was a fun yes, scenario. I would love to play this again. This this scenario has made me very much thinking about picking up a couple of Gundabad trolls and some Gundabads because those Gundabad trolls were a lot of fun to play. I, see, I like this army. It's a good army. It's fun. It, it's, it feels like a really good evil army. And, and I have a lot of fun playing the Azog Legion specifically. And it, it is really good. Just that basic troops, essentially the Moranian equivalents with lots of monsters and heroes backing it up. And, and not to worry about shooting. Like, don't even bother. Yeah. It's it's the monsters that do it for me. It's the it's the those tr- three Gundabad trolls were just so impressive that they were nine killable. Yes. Simply for the th- four wounds and the defense eight. And you have to beat them in combat first. But they had so many nice options available to them. Their basic option of just striking normally is enhanced by the scythe and the club. Yes. And their barge and brutal power attacks feel like you have to put a lot of thought and effort into making them effective, which I really, really liked. And I think that made the game more interesting and more fun. Yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to the other ones. Like this, So far, I've had a good experience. The one that we played with basically Thranduil getting surrounded by Gundabads was a little bit tough, but the other ones have been pretty good in this book so far. So we're going to... We're going to get through these scenarios pretty well. And the nice thing is terrains are simple for Battle of Five Armies, just a border from rocks. The models are almost done. What's next, Kyle? We've got chariots coming up. Chariots. And then after chariots, kill the chariots. Kill the chariots. Yes. Oh, it's going to be good. These are going to be some fun scenarios. I'm interested to see how the chariots will square up with the uh, Gundabad trolls. Uh, only one troll and one ogre. So I think they're going to play avoidance. Is there an ogre in that one? I think no, it's, oh, maybe it's not. one good to bad troll and the chariots charge. Okay. Oh, not an ogre. So I'm interested to see how the dwarves will end up dealing with that. I don't think but they will. unleash the war base, yes, there are a multitude of good to bad ogres. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I think they can try to machine gun them down. Three wounds, though. Still, only defense five. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll play see. them out. We'll check them out. Well, that was the clouds burst scenario from there and back again. Uh, good scenario, Kylie. What did you think? Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Yeah, let's do the two thumbs up. The ratings, we only really talk about them if we like them. Do we still do ratings? I no, can't remember. Really. No, we decided that if we don't like something, we, we make it very clear from early on that we did not like this. Okay. And I I've like got, this. Yeah, I've got no problem with this scenario. I thought it was really good. I thought there was good choices on both sides. Yeah. And I feel I feel that the the forces allow that to happen, the way you've got the elves that can do freedom of movement, the dwarves mm. which are restricted, the, the, the Gundabad orcs which basically just run forward. But the trolls, you've got to really decide what you do with them and hopefully don't get Gundabed Orcs in the way because you don't have that freedom that the ogres do where you can just stop on your own guys. Yeah, yeah, no, I 
I, I recommend this scenario to anyone. I, if I was to give it a score, I'd give it three Gundabat Trolls out of three Gundabat Trolls. Of course you would. I'm not even going to bother with that. No, give it a try if you can. Get a group together and play it. Um, I realize that it's a big commitment in models. and We asked you need, what, 92 models for the scenario? You, you worked it out. It's uh, 50 it's on the 50 good side. It's 50 plus 36 plus 6. 42, yes. Yep, there we go. That was a random ballpark figure too. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. You've been working it out. It's a lot of models, but it's a really satisfying amount of models as well. Um, And it it feels like more as well because the Azog Legions just doesn't die. Yeah. So they they maintain the same amount of models. The captains don't really die. The the trolls don't die. So you essentially have the same amount of models on the board the whole game, whereas Mm. the good side slowly gets whittled down. It's, It's quite disconcerting. Is it a good player? Just watching your precious elves and dwarves slowly bite the bullet one by one. Yes, well, I didn't care when the dwarves were dying. When the elves were dying, I was a little bit sad, but I got over that pretty quickly once a bucket loads of them started dying. Well, thanks for being on, Kylie. This yep. is, this has been fun, and uh, I think this is we've come to the end of this episode. So yeah, give give the clouds burst a try. If you haven't got there and back again, definitely pick it up. The scenarios are fun, and there's a lot of them. Can't wait to get to lay town. Mm. And remember, traps are pretty much the only way you're going to kill those Gundabad trolls. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.